Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m. at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message, as usual, will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. And today, my friends, we're going to begin a new series of talk that you need to have your heart ready for this. This is no light work. This is going to take some doing. And, uh, and you better come ready because we're, we're going to talk about the enemy for a little bit. And when you talk about the enemy, you better be ready to fight uh, because he will f- look for the weak link somewhere and tell your neighbor, don't be the weakling in this place. So we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. There's a lot going on in our world right now. I don't think it takes rocket science for us to say there's something deeper happening in our world. Sometimes you don't even look at your world. You can just look internally and say there's a turmoil happening on the inside. My friends, we are caught up in a cosmic struggle between good and evil. And it's all around us. And sometimes it's even in us. Sometimes the very thing we want to do, we won't do because there's a power struggle happening between good and evil. Can you say amen? And so we're going we're gonna to dig deep today in the next few weeks. As you know, every time we do talks, series of talks, we add upon each week. So I hope you're ready to fight back because you have to get to the point that you say, I refuse to let the enemy come into my life and wreak havoc when he wants to. Like he doesn't have that green pass to do whatever he wants to do. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I highly encourage you to take notes because we're going to cover a lot of ground here. Sometimes you got to go home and and digest these things. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. It says this, it says a final word, be strong, tell your neighbor, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm, tell your neighbor, stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting. We're not, you're not fighting Karen. <laughs> Poor Karen indeed. We need to pray for Karen. There is a Karen in this church that I love so much. Oh, yes. I need to stop saying Karen because I love Karen. 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, the dark, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Can you say amen? My friends, we are in a cosmic battle between good and evil. And all of us were born into this battle. Like you don't have a choice. You are in it. You can try to be ignorant. You can try to pretend it's not there. But you can't escape spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is a lot like gravity. You don't see gravity, but tempt gravity. You'll find out very quickly that gravity is real. Okay, spiritual gra- uh, spiritual uh, warfare is a real thing. Now, it, it all depends on how much of it are you exposed to and how much do you want to grow from it. But have you noticed that usually it's not until you have a spiritual awakening that you are woken up to the reality of a warfare. It's not until you come face to face with the reality of Jesus that you also come face to face with the reality of an enemy. Right? It's not until you start taking God seriously that the enemy starts taking you seriously. I would present to you that, that the enemy could care less about people who are neutral right now. Because he already has them exactly where he wants them. But it's the moment you say, I want to step over the line and be an active follower of Jesus, that the enemy says, game on. Because now we need to figure out how do we get you back into the camp that we had you before. Can you say Amen. Now, when we talk about spiritual warfare, there are extremes, right? There's, there's always two extremes when it comes to spiritual warfare. Two extremes are, the, on one side, there are people that are like, oh, come on now. Are we really going to talk about this? Are we really believing in this stuff? Aren't we like sophisticated people, 21st century people? Like, is this really what we're going to get into? That's ridiculous. And then you got the other extreme where everything is of the devil, you got those people that see the devil in every single thing. Like this morning, they toast burned and they blame the devil <laughs> because the, <laughs> the toast was burned. So you have two extremes and we have to avoid these extremes. We need to have a biblical perspective of what this thing is. Can you say amen? And so I want to I wanna share this quote with you from one of my favorite thinkers of all time. C.S. Lewis wrote Screwtape Letters. If you, if you can read Screwtape Letters, it will give you a great insight into this warfare. But in the beginning, in the introduction of this book, here's what he says about warfare. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. This is this, this side. right? The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And watch this. He says, they... The enemy themselves are equally pleased by both errors. So the enemy will love for you to be ignorant, or the enemy will love for you to be paranoid. Right? And so we got to find what is the biblical perspective when it comes to spiritual warfare. Because there's one side that I think about, <laughs> I call it the Waterboy theology. You ever watch Waterboy? My mama said, my mama said, football is of the devil. <laughs> I call those people the water boy theology. <laughs> but then you got to avoid these people who think they're so smart. That they don't even realize that the enemy is like, I hope you don't believe in me. Because I can keep doing whatever I want to do in your life. Are you tracking? I want to recommend a book to you. Because when we cover these topics, there's so much. It's impossible to cover everything. 
But we have some of these books available today. It's called Win Your War. By Pastor Mark and his wife, Grace Driscoll. Fight in the realm you don't see for freedom in the one you do. Really powerful book. I highly recommend you read this book as we go through this series. But we need, my friends, a biblical perspective on warfare. What does scriptures teaches us about spiritual warfare is what we're interested in. And so if you're taking notes, we're going to begin by showing you that this warfare started in heaven. This warfare didn't start here. It started actually in heaven, the Bible tells us. In the book of Revelations, chapter 12, here's what the Bible tells us. That there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. There's many, word, there are many names for the enemy. One of them is the dragon. And the dragon lost the battle and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, another word for the enemy, called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all his angels. So this warfare began in heaven. There was a power struggle that happened in heaven. The enemy was not known first as the enemy. He was actually part of God's army. He was an angel that rebelled against the will of God. The Bible tells us that he said, I will ascend above the throne of God. I want to be God. I want to rule. I want to govern. And so there was this power struggle and a lot of the angels came with him. My friends, we have no idea how many angels God has. But I can tell you this, it's probably in the billions. So we have no idea how many came down with him who are here now roaming the earth and doing spiritual damage on earth. It's not just one enemy, it's an army. When you're being tempted, people say, the devil's tempting me. No, it's devils. Because it's not just one, it's an entire army that is fighting against God on this earth. Right? And then, we, and then Jesus tells us that this power struggle is here now. Here Jesus in Luke says this about the enemy. Luke, Jesus said, look, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He was cast out from heaven into earth. And today, my friends, we find ourselves in this warfare between good and evil. I want to present to you today that every decision that you make, you either bring in heaven to earth or you bring in hell up. Every decision that we make, we're either contributing to God's kingdom or we're contributing to the kingdom of darkness. That's how this thing works. Because the enemy never comes and says, hey, I'm the enemy and I'm here to ruin your life. If he was, we would all run the other way. Right? It's way more subtle. It's way more cunning than this. And so I want to make it clear that we are in a war, my friends. Dr. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the great theologians, says this. He said, look, there is no grosser or greater misrepresentation of the Christian message than that which depicts as an offering a life of ease with no battle and struggle at all. Sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. My friends, if we don't wake up to this reality, we're going to continue to let the enemy have his way in our lives. I hear people say sometimes, I just want to go to church to relax. 
It's like, well, we're not in a nursing home. <laughs> we're in a war. We need you to man your battle stations. My friends, this is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. So everybody better put their hands to the plow and fight. I told you last week, this is a locker room. We come to receive our assignments to go fight. The good fight, can you say amen? Now, a lot of times, you know, we have a hard time computing. Like, how in the world does this battle actually take place? And I want to share some questions with you just to get you thinking critically about things. Because a lot of times, again, the enemy doesn't show up and say, hey, I'm the enemy. You have to think critically about situations and circumstances that you find yourself in or you see in society. So let me share some questions with you that I was, I was kind of wrestling with as I was studying for this message. But think about some of these questions. Again, I'm not saying, the hard part about teaching these things is, I hope you can discern your way through this thing. Because I'm not saying, when I ask these questions, I'm not saying it's all the enemy. I'm saying discern. Okay, think critically. But look, question number one. Why is it so hard to get someone to come to church with you? You ever thought about that? Sometimes it's easier to get someone to go do something dumb with you than to get them to get to church. Have you noticed? Why does it feel like it's pulling teeth to get someone to church? Here's another question. Why is it so hard to stay consistent in praying and reading your Bible? Why is it easier to watch TV for eight hours than to read your Bible for two minutes? Do you ever ask these questions? Think critically about why is the resistance so hard to do the right things? Here's another one. Why is it so hard to tithe and to trust God? You ever thought about that? Why is it so hard that I have to hold on to this thing when even my money says, trust God? Here's another question. Why is abortion even an option? Why do we get caught up on, is it a fetus or is it a baby? You ever ask these questions critically? Like, in what world, in our right minds, we would say, what's the difference between a fetus and a baby? Because you can't have a baby without a fetus. Here's another question. Why so much gender confusion in our world right now? The doctors say it's a boy, now we don't know. Is it? Here's another question. Why so much depression and suicide? We live in the greatest country in the world when it comes to opportunities. Why are so many people depressed and suicidal? Where does that come from? Why is porn even an industry? Why are we still dealing with racism? It doesn't even make sense that someone would think they're better than another person by the color of their skin. If you think about it in natural, it doesn't make any sense. Why do some people protest peacefully, but others feel the need to riot and break other people's property? 
Here's the one. This, this one messes with me. Why do Christians feel the need to fight each other over doctrine and theology? Why do 50% of marriages end in divorce? Christian and non-Christian. Why are humans still killing humans? Why are so many dying of drug abuse and opioids? And then who or what is the driving force behind all of this? Where does it come from? We gotta ask these things critically. Remember, the Bible says to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Like you gotta love your love with your mind. You gotta think about things. Because one of the greatest weapons of the enemy right now is he doesn't want you to think. He wants you to be numb. I believe the entertainment is one of his greatest subtleties. Just be entertained. Don't think. Don't think. Don't think. Don't think. Don't think. You don't have to think. You don't have to think it. But God created us as thinkers. Are you tracking? When you study warfare, you realize that every region in the world has a specific types of oppression that they deal with. If you go to South America right now, you go to Africa, demon possession is like a, a daily thing. It's so open. Why? Because people in those regions, they are more open to things like witchcraft, voodoo, black magic. You know, uh, all these things that open more doors to the demonic activities on earth. So every area is very different. I've seen my share of demon possessions. I've done exorcisms, but those are rare compared to what I see, the greatest warfare in our nation, in this, in this part of the world, is mental warfare. And the reason I believe why, why the enemy chooses to be covert in this nation is because he knows, hey, these people are way too sophisticated, and so I'd rather play behind the scenes. Are you tracking with me? It's way more subtle. Like when you go to war, not every war is in your face. There's special ops that will jump into a nation and do damage without you even knowing. We, the United States do it all the time. We'll drop into a nation. You don't even know. It won't be on the news. That's how the enemy works, I believe. Very covert, very behind the scenes, doing a lot of damage. But nowadays, I think he's starting to come out a little bit more. We're starting to see now in our streets, things are starting to be more blatant. We're starting to be a little bit more open because... He works according to the nature of man. You understand that? Because he can't make you do anything. He can only suggest it. So we can never use the, the devil made me do it. Because he can't make you do anything. You just have to be lured by his bait. Are you tracking with me? So today I want to take us back to the first warfare on earth. In Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 3. We're going to work our way through the Genesis 3 for a few minutes here. I want to show you how this works. Genesis chapter 3 is the first warfare that we have documented on earth. And it's so subtle that we sometimes miss how we're still doing this today. Genesis 3, beginning with verse 1, says this. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, one day, it's one day. 
It's never announced. It's one day. Could be a Tuesday. Could be a Wednesday. Could be a Thursday. Could be a Saturday. One day. Okay, one day. He asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Starts with a question. It's a question. It's a suggestion. Okay, did God really say that? If you pay attention, every, every trial that you face starts with a question. Is God really going to take care of me though? If I do this, will God really meet me there? Here's Eve's response. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse 4, the enemy replies, you won't die. Here's another one. Pay attention to a hint of truth in a sea of lies. Let me say it again. Pay attention to a hint of truth in a sea of lies. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. In a sense, the enemy is saying, God is holding out on you. He hasn't fully revealed what you could be. Let me, let me translate that to 21st century. You need to reach your full potential. How are you going to do that when you're so busy doing church stuff? You need to see what you're made of. How are you going to do that when these kids are holding you back? You just got to pay attention to the lies that are wrapped in opportunities. Are you ever going to get a man if you don't put yourself out there? How are you ever going to get ahead if you don't work seven days a week? It's never going to be a bad thing. If he was, we would all turn the other way. The woman was convinced. There's nothing like appealing to something that you're already thinking about. Oh, hello. Oh, man. He's not going to tell you something that you're not, you're not already on your radar. You know you can make more money if you just off the table. You know you can. And you're already thinking, I'm already hurting. I'm already struggling. I could make more if I just... No one has to know. She was convinced. Why? Because she was being enticed by something she's already thinking about. He's not going to entice you. This is why you can't compare each other's temptations. Because he's not going to entice someone that he knows doesn't fall for that. That's why it's dumb when people go, how'd you fall for that? Well, how'd you fall for that? <laughs> she was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. It's always appealing. Fellas, he's not gonna, never going to put an ugly woman in front of you. 
The DM is not going to come from someone you're not attracted to. And his fruit looked delicious. <laughs> and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it too. I want to come back to that point for a second, fellas. Hello. At that moment, their eyes were open. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Understand this. This is not shame of, oh my God, we're naked. They're not junior hires. You said naked. No, for the first time in their lives, something was missing. Do you ever feel like something is missing? Because we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts. There's a God-shaped hole in our hearts, my friends. When we're out of God's will, something will always be missing. You can have everything and still feel empty when God's missing. When the cool of evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, which was, would happen often. They would just have this communion with the Lord. But this time, this time, they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Understand this. When God says, where are you? God's not like, oh my God, I can't see you. God's saying, where are you? Where are you? You ever been in church and still feel lost? God's saying, where are you? You ever be in the middle of something that you're not supposed to be doing and you hear that voice saying, where are you? What are you doing? You're about to ruin your marriage. What are you doing? You're going to ruin your business. You ever hear that gut check from the Holy Spirit? It says, don't go there. You ever been in the middle of something you're about to do and the phone rings and it's a wake up call? And it's someone that you haven't talked to in years because God's like, where are you? Oh, you're not going to talk to me today. My friends, hear me on this. I'm going to go very slowly. The goal of the enemy is to pull you away from God by any means necessary. It's to make you live independently from God. He's not going to entice you with something bad because you're not appealed to something bad. You appeal to something good. But good is always the enemy of great. His pitch to you is you don't need God. You are your own God. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is self. Now I'm God. Now I'm in control. I'm going to do what I need to do. Satan baits you with good things offered for sinful uses. If Adam and Eve would ask God to something to eat, you think God wouldn't give it to them? He's always going to tempt you in the areas that you think you have a need so you don't discern what is a want. Notice though, the enemy waited until God brought Eve to bring the first warfare. This is very important. Adam was in the garden by himself for many years. We don't know how many years. Theologians debate that it could have been years until God was like, man, it's not good. You need someone with you. You're talking with animals. It's not a good thing. <laughs> I pray we catch this. 
the enemy waited until marriage to begin the warfare. Because we know what happens in marriage, we get exposed. After the honeymoon, all hell seems to break loose. Come on, married people, talk to me. The enemy hates marriages because marriages is one of the greatest representation of what God's trying to do on earth. So he will attack your marriage tooth and nail until he separates the two of you. Instead of fighting for our marriages, we end up fighting each other. Instead of seeing each other as a team, we see each other as a threat. And married people, have you ever stopped in the middle of a marriage and asked the question, why are we even fighting over this? 90% of the times we fight is over dumb stuff. I don't have any married people here. Notice, the blame game begins in the garden. We think we invented it. We think we're doing something so revelatory when we go, it's your fault. They did this from the beginning. God comes and they're like, ah! What's me? The devil made me do it. But the devil can't make you do anything. He can only suggest it. But here's, here's what I, I want to talk to the man for a little bit. I'm a man, so I can be a little bit more harder on us. And all the ladies said amen. amen. <laughs> but I won't let you off the hook, ladies. We'll, we'll get you to it in a second. But here, here's, my, here, here's, here's my struggle with Adam and my struggle with me as men. Chapter 2, God had told Adam about this tree. Eve wasn't there. It was just Adam. They had this conversation. Said, bro, I'm giving you an entire nation, but I have a test. I'm going to put these two trees here, and I don't want you to touch one of them. So Adam's job was to communicate this to Eve. Not just that, Adam's job was to be the head of this marriage. But we get to the temptation, the warfare, the enemy chooses to speak to Eve because she's more vulnerable to emotions. But my, my concern is Adam was there the whole time. And he did nothing. He actually participated. I believe this with all my heart. I pray you hear me. If you don't hear anything else today, I think the enemy is going really hard after the man. I believe this. The enemy knows if I can defeat the man, I'll win this war. Why? Because the man is the head. If I can get to the head, then the marriage is gone. There's a lack of fathers in the picture. And there's lack of leadership in culture. There's lack of leadership in churches. And there's lack of leadership in our nation. So he's going really, I think this whole gender confusion is, a, is, a, is something that the enemy is doing from the start to get these kids to not have mindsets to know that I am a man of God. 
It's so covert. It's not blatant. It's not like in your face. It's very subtle. Like, let's take away the man out of the picture. And I think about this. Every time we do join the mission, we do a baptism. We have more women than men. And that's a problem. That's a problem, man. He was there. So my point is this. Eve. Sin by commission. Meaning she flagrantly violated God's rule. Adam sins by omission. He did nothing. It's both sin. Sometimes it's worse when we're not doing nothing. When our house is on fire and we're watching ESPN. So men, if the enemy can take you out of the picture, he, he will ruin your marriage, your children, your finances, your church, your nation, your government. We need to pay attention. You can't be on the sidelines watching the woman lead. It's not their job to lead. This is where women become nagging. Because they have to carry the weight. And it feels too much. And so they, they, they don't want to nag. They nag because you're not taking ownership. Like, they should not be asking us to do stuff more than twice. <laughs> It's not the woman's job to lead your house in Bible study. It's your job, man. Man, we should know more about the will of God than we know about stats from football. We should be more into this than we are into our fantasy football teams. Because think about it. I have a fantasy football team, but my God... That's rubbish compared to the battle I have to fight for my marriage, for my children, for my nation. He said, where are you? In other words, saying, do your job. Do your job. Do your job, man. Like, we need to be the pillars of this house, man. Like, if someone talks about this church, I hope the man raises up and says, no, that's my house. That's for me and my house. We're going to serve God. I can just picture Adam. Eh. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> what do they say? Oh, oh, oh. I was watching the game. Oh, we got to be alert. Even watching the games, I don't know if you're doing this, but I'm watching the games with my son. He's asking a lot of questions. We're watching, we can't watch an NBA game without him asking, Dad, why are there so many commercials about whiskey? What is whiskey, Dad? No, that's serious. I don't know. Pour me another one. Until they start doing things that we're like, whoa, where did that come from? 
watching Netflix, not asking questions. What is doing to our worldview? Are, are, we, are we asking these questions? Are we letting them watch whatever they can watch? Are we checking their phones? Because they don't have to go anywhere now. There used to be a time we had to go places to do things. We don't have to go anywhere. So I'm a, I'm a dude. I feel the responsibility. God's calling us to lead our families. It's our job to lead. He just stood by and let it happen. You know how many men are standing by and letting the wives take the kids to church, get them dressed, get them clothed, get them all this. What are you doing? It's my job to tell my family we're going to church. It's my job to tell my family, hey, shut off the electronics. We're going to pray. We're going to read our Bibles today. It shouldn't be the woman's job. That's not, here's what we're doing in our society. We're trying to make the man and woman equal. We are equal, but we have different responsibilities. Now, ladies, just one thing. Give me one. Just one. I'm, just one thing. Don't speak the enemy's language to your husband. Because when you do, you're playing for the wrong team. What is the enemy's language? Accusation, condemnation, judgment. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. We already feel the weight. Believe me, even when we're not doing our job, we know we're not. We don't need to be reminded. We need to be encouraged. You want to win a man's heart? Speak respect, honor, and believe them. And, and grace them and tell them the things you want to see them already doing that they are doing. Like, encourage them. I'm telling you, it's the enemy who tells you to tell him he's no good. God will never tell you to say those things to you, my husband. So don't agree with the enemy, even when you have reasons to. And sometimes you have reasons to, and what do you do? You get together with other girlfriends who are listening to the wrong voice, and it becomes this enemy's camp. Come on, ladies. Come on. Can I go a little bit more? I'm going to go anyways. Here's what I think the most covert thing that the enemy is doing. In the church, in the world, the enemy wants to turn us into victims. I think that's the number one way that he's getting to people right now. He wants you to be a victim so you don't fight, so you just hang back and have a pity party. Let me tell you some things the enemy's telling you right now. Man, no one cares about you. Poor is you. Woe is you. It's you against the world. God's not helping you. The people around you don't care about you. No one cares. No one, no one appreciates you. Oh, he loves that one. Look all the hard work you do. No one, no, no one appreciates you. Come on, you know you hear those voices. 
And sometimes we say it, everything I do for this family. <laughs> well, who's feeding you that? Because here's the thing, when he makes you a victim, then he knows, oh man, I can open some doors. When you don't feel appreciated in your marriage, what do you do? You look for attention somewhere else. Now you go to work and Jimmy, Jimmy is like, hey, I got an open door here. You look beautiful today. Oh, my husband never tells me that. Well, your husband should tell you that. But Jimmy, you need to discern that. Man, you work so hard at the church, no one acknowledges you. Why even bother? I don't know who tells you that. Because God already says, I love you and I approve of you, and I'm so glad we're doing this together. So where are you? Where are you? Where are you? The government wants you to be a victim so they can take care of you. Yes. Yes. The government is not our savior. No. I don't need the government to take care of me and my family. I need the government to do their job. Yes. So when you start to sell stuff to me, like vote for me and I'll give you this, this, and this. No, no, no. That's a victim mindset. I'm not a victim. I'm in America. I can make things happen. Ah, <laughs> oh, we need to pay attention. Oh, you're a black man in America. Poor is you. No, I'm not. Well, I'm a right. Christian black man yeah. in America. Yeah. No, there's no victims here. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength to do it. There's no victims. There's no victims. Your husband might be a knucklehead, but man, he, he loves you. I'm saying it for him. And remember, fellas, providing for your family is not just making money. A lot of people make money don't provide for their families. Your job is to provide physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Yes, sir. We should clap for that. <laughs> it is my job every day to tell my daughters you're beautiful. Because if I don't, the wrong knucklehead will. And I tell them, shut up. I said, I want to tell you every day you're beautiful. So when the wrong man says you're beautiful, you can be like, please. <laughs> I'm serious. It's our job to treat, I'm, I'm teaching my sons right now, it's your job to take care of your sisters. You are your sister's keeper. Tell them even when you go to school, even if your sisters are wrong, they're right. <laughs> Let me deal with it at home, but not, you stand up for your sisters. And I pray in this church we have men who stand up for the house of God. The enemy is trying to make a mockery out of the church, man. We gotta stand up. By the way, you got a lot of men not rooted in God, talking bad about God in his church. Please use the sermon. Not everybody who speaks for Jesus is for Jesus. I'll talk about that more next week. Know your enemy. The devil comes to church too. Discern. Remember, Jesus told his best friend, get behind me, Satan. His best friend. How would you like to be his best friend? Being rebuked. Because he knew right now, Peter, that's not you. There's an enemy behind you trying to 
lure you. Even your best friend could be lured by the devil. He says, get behind me. He didn't hate Peter. He said, no, get behind me. That voice that's trying to use you right now. Because the enemy will lure you through familiar voices. Oh, that's a good word. So my friends, we're not, vic- we're not victims, we're victors. So we don't have to fear the enemy because we have a God who is greater than the enemy. Jesus, let me wrap this up. Jesus, the Bible tells us, came to destroy the works of the enemy. Go ahead and give me that last, First John chapter 3, verse 8. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But, remember, I love buts in the Bible. There's a better option. But the Son of God came to, what? Destroy the works of the enemy. My friends, he didn't just come to forgive you of your sins. He came to trample the enemy under his feet and destroy him. He came to say you have power and authority over every lie, every deceit, every manipulation, every corruption. He says you have the power to declare that you are free in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. I came to give you life and life more abundant. You can live this abundant life in Jesus. So as we wrap up today, listen, victory in Jesus looks like this. You have authority over the enemy. You have authority. In your house, you have the authority to say this house will serve God. My kids will serve God. You have the authority. You don't give in to the lies. Remember, it's all covert. It's all subtle. It's all trying to manipulate you. You have the authority to say, I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I'd be driving and going, I rebuke that. (laughs) You might think I'm crazy, but I know what I'm talking to. The mind that the little things try to come in. Ah! You should see me in my car. You think I'm crazy. (laughs) Hi. You guys don't do that? You better start doing that because if you don't, you're agreeing with it and you're allowing it to take root in your mind and your heart. The moment you see it and you can call it by name and say, I rebuke that. Because you have authority. (laughs) What did Jesus tell us? Out of the mouth of babes. My God, I'm getting chills all over. Like, my goodness, thank you, young one, for teaching us. Because that's, that's it. Do you know in the Bible, demons recognize Jesus quicker than people did? It's the demons who were like, whoa, what are you doing here? That's amazing. And he said the little kids will understand it more because they're not too sophisticated to know that there was an enemy. So thank you for, oh, that was awesome. We can just end right there. Just, that was awesome. So my friends, you gotta put on the full armor daily. Please go home and read the rest of Ephesians. You gotta put on the armor. Truth is your weapon. Righteousness is your weapon. Peace is your weapon. 
Faith is your weapon. The word is your weapon. Prayer is your weapon. He says, you got to put this on every single day. Every day, you got to put it on. Like, like you got to get up in the morning and go, God, I am putting it on my spiritual mantle today because I'm going to battle. I'm going to war. I don't want to be ready. I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want the enemy to come in and not find me ready. I want to be always ready. Listen, in season, out of season, days off, no days off, I want to be ready for whatever the enemy brings. And my friends, pray for the sermon and power from the Holy Spirit. Remember, pray, discern. Not everything is of the devil. But it doesn't mean he's not there. So pray and discern your way through stuff. Discern your way even through opportunities. Someone says, I have a great opportunity for you. Discern. Pray. Pray. I tell our kids, hey, daddy will take you anywhere you want to go as long as it's not on church stuff days. Sometimes their friends will have a birthday party, but it happens to be on a day. We're like, we made a decision, right? That we're going to put the things of God first. But guess what? Tomorrow's my day off. I'll take you anywhere you want to go, knucklehead. But we're not going to violate the things we already said. Because that's how the enemy comes. Pay attention. It's the little things. So pray for discernment. Pray for power. It's, un- it's unacceptable for a believer. I'm talking to believers now. To live without power. It's available to you. You go home, you put on the lights. That's power. Guess what? You have power. Put it on every day. Claim it every day. Don't just wake up and go through all your day without asking God for power. To overcome whatever comes your way. There's power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. We don't live from a place of lack We live from a place of abundance. We don't live from a place of bondage. We live from a place of freedom. Whatever comes your way, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Come on, stand with me as we pray this morning. Listen, we have an election coming. We need to pray for this nation. This is serious. Listen, I'll talk about this maybe in a few more weeks. There's worldviews. That the enemy tries to come over a certain nation to rule it. So we got to, that job is to intercede, is to push back the darkness. My job is not to tell you who to vote for. I will never do that. But I can tell you, use your discernment, use your wisdom. We need to pray, fast, and vote. In that order. Pray, fast, and vote. Because we don't need the government to rule us. We need the government to do their job. So for the next seven weeks, my friends, we're going to pray for our nation. Seven weeks of prayer. Every Wednesday, listen, every Wednesday, I want to challenge us, encourage you, even watching online. I want us to fast from sunrise to sundown and say, God, we need you to intercede in our nation. And every Wednesday, we're going to give you guys prayer targets to focus. So we, all of us are praying about the same thing. There's power in unity. You start praying about the same things. God is going to intervene. God's going to intercede. So make sure you follow us on our social media or our app because we're going to have a video telling you like this is the target, this is the focus. And wherever you are, when you find yourself, you can pray. We believe that God's going to do some mighty things in this nation. Come on, do you believe with me that God is going to do? Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, begin to say, Holy Spirit, come. Come over me. Come over me, Holy Spirit. Empower me. Empower me. Break every chain. Come on, open your mouth. Open your mouth and, and declare the power of God. The power of God over your life. The power-
power of God over your family, power of God over your children, power of God. Oh, the power of God over our nation. Power of God. Oh, the power of God. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on, church, help me pray. Open your mouth. There's power in your words.
check, check. I feel the need to pray for the man. So man, lift your voice, lift your hands to the Lord. Man, I want you to, I want you to take your place right now, your yeah. rightful place. Yeah. You are the head and not the tail. Yeah. You are the head of your family. You are the head. Yes, Listen, sure. even if you're not married yet, God has made you the head. Yeah. You're not the tail. Right now, man, I want you to pray. I want you to open your mouth and say, God, I'm here to take what is mine. I want to take my rightful place in my house, in your church. I want to take my rightful place in the society. I refuse to let the enemy take me out. I refuse the sin of omission. I'm not going to watch this thing go by me. I'm going to be in the game. I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to be the man you call me to be. I'm going to be the husband you call me to be. I'm going to be the pillar you call me to be. Come on, man. I want you to take your place. Declare it and take your place in this family, in this house, in your house. Right now, Spirit of God, follow your man. Follow your man. Empower your man. Strengthen your man. Oh, encourage your man. Oh, bless your man, oh God. I pray right now, power over your man, strength over your man, deliverance over your man, authority over your man. We rebuke every lie, every deceit from your man. And we pray, man, take your place, take your place, take your place, take your place, take your place in the kingdom, take your place in your house, take your place in your marriage, take your place in your children, take your place in your church.
Oh, we declare, Lord, that you are faithful over our families, over our loved ones. Oh, have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. If I can ask us to pray for one more thing today before we go, it's to pray for the house of the Lord. Listen, the Bible says there are wolves, there are serpents, there are liars who will come and try to tear you away from the house of God. They will talk about you, they will talk about your pastor, they will talk about your family, but we need to make up our mind that we are all in on the will of God and we refuse to let anyone come against the will of God. And remember what I told you, they're gonna come from a religious place. It's not the atheists, it's the religious. Without the Spirit of God, we'll try to pull you away from the will of God, from the house of God. He's doing it right now during COVID. He's done it so many times, but I'm praying right now. Let's make, the Bible says you got to raise up a stander against the enemy. You got to raise up a stander and say no more. You won't take me from the house of the Lord. Come on, help me pray together right now for unity in this house. We're not perfect, but we belong to Jesus. We're not perfect, but we're fighting the good fight of faith and we refuse to let anyone. And let me tell you, remember, he comes to lie, he comes to deceive, he, he comes to condemn, he comes to tell you things that are not true. It is a, it's a small truth in a sea of lies, and we need to discern our way through it. Come on, help me pray as a church. Father, we pray against every lie, against every deceit, Lord, of the enemy. We say, like you told Peter, get behind me, Satan. I refuse to buy into your division. I refuse to buy into your disloyalty. I refuse to buy into your fearlessness. I am a pillar in the house of God. I am a pillar in the house of God. No weapon formed against this house will prosper, oh God. The Bible says that Jesus said, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Oh, we rebuke every lie, every deceit of the enemy. And we say, Lord, we raise up a standard and we say, have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve you. As for me and my house, we will worship you. As for me and my house, oh, as for me and my house, I don't know about your tribe, but I have a tribe and I'm thankful that I have a tribe. Come on, we gotta give God a praise in this place today. This talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.